Alrighty, so I got some questions here. Um, I'm going to kind of be MC, and I will I will provide the perspective of young couple doing everything wrong. <clears throat> so <laughs> if I have something to add in that nature, then I, I will do that. But um, if you could just share a little bit about who you are, how long you've been married, how many kids you might have. You know, just, just a little bit of a brief background for you guys. All right, Luke and Brittany Reinish, we've been married for almost 10 years. We'll hit our 10-year anniversary this fall. Uh, we have three kids, uh, one turning six, one just turned three, and then the other one is nine months. Um, we started off, uh, we met in college. Um, you were a softball player, I was a wrestler, and... Uh, love at first sight sort of type of thing. Uh, not going to lie there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, through college we, we, we grew. We were originally uh, involved with uh, ministry on base. And uh, shortly after I graduated when we got married. So spent two years uh, teaching high school math prior to coming into the military and uh, just hit our eight-year mark in the military uh, and God has grown us tremendously throughout the last eight years. Um, I believe more than what he would have done if we would have stuck with the the teaching route. So, awesome. Thank you. It was love at first sight. I thought he was a really cute wrestler. Um, But my love language is sarcasm, so I actually picked on him (laughs) Um, as a stupid freshman to this really stud wrestler junior. I totally threw him under the bus, and our trainers still think it's funny we're married. Um, I was a counselor before I became a stay-at-home mom, so I love working with couples, and I love crisis intervention. So that's kind of my wheelhouse. Thank you. (laughs) we are Stuart and Mary Massey we have been married for 18 years come June 26 and we have been dating since we were in high school so I think we've been together for 25 years now somewhere in that we have two little girls one is 8 and one is 6 we are civilians so we are learning about military life. Um, we both came to know the Lord at somewhat young ages. Um, and it's been really cool. We've been able to have that as part of our relationship for this whole time. We've been able to come under some really cool people who have helped us in that. And so, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys had... Know us. Uh, my name is Daniel. It's my beautiful wife Michelle. We've been married five years, uh, almost five years, and we have two kids out there in the back. Um, and um, I think our entire uh, marriage—we've been in the context of ministry. Uh, we went and planted a church together, which that was just a microwave of trials and sanctification, and we've made it out healthy and. Uh, Yes, alive, and so we're excited to share whatever we can add to a lot of years of marriage here, and, and uh, uh, yeah. So. Okay, hold on to that mic. So we've got military, active duty couple, 
civilian couple, we've got ministry couple, so we've got a little bit different of, of, of experiences here. Um, not everybody is going to answer every question, so I just want to keep it um, as concise and precise as we can. But if you feel like I read the question, you're like, yep, that's me, I need to answer that question, just raise your hand, we'll get the mic to you, and if nobody raises their hand, I'll just pick somebody. <clears throat> Something like that. Okay, so how and when should we approach our spouse after conflict? So you've had this thing, maybe nothing naturally happens, maybe there's nothing in place to say we wait this amount of time, then we do. How and when do we approach our spouse after there's been a conflict? Anybody want to speak to that? What do you guys <laughs> So after a conflict is really, really hard. It's a really contentious time, especially if it's an unresolved. Are we assuming this is unresolved? Yeah. Okay. So if it's an unresolved conflict, the best thing you can honestly do is when you're not in conflict, set a uh, group of boundaries around like what the conflict is going to look like so that when after the conflict, you, can, you know what the boundaries are, you know what the spouse expects, so that when you can come to that position of just like, hey, can we talk about this? We've already, like ours is, we need five minutes to cool off. After that five minutes, I know that I can approach Luke and be like, hey, are you ready or do we need another five? And so just setting those boundaries when you're not in conflict <laughs> will help you approach that conflict afterwards. Good. Anybody else want to add? Uh, I'm an extrovert and Stuart is an introvert, so I like to verbally process things where he needs a second to process things. And um, that took a little bit of time to figure out because I was like, we've had a conflict, we need to solve it now, and <laughs> let's talk about it. You're very bad in high school. Yes, yes, <laughs> high school. <laughs> so, um, like, they, um, like we listened to today, observing your spouse and knowing how they react and how, what kind of time they need, I'm the one who needs to ask him, are you ready to talk about it? Because I'm always ready to talk about it. Um, but I also need time to talk about it with God and verbally process it with God um, before I'm able to talk about it. Because a lot of the things that I say, I might not necessarily mean, I'm just figuring things out. And you don't want to be verbally processing an argument in the middle of an argument. So kind of give your time to, if you're like a verbal processor, to talk with God about it. And then if your spouse is not, to let them have that time to process it a little bit. That's great. Yeah, and keeping in contact, context of this, handling conflict tends to put such a damper on our already very limited time together. Get that. Tips on working, uh, making time for the hard conversations without letting it ruin the whole night or weekend. So time is short. Conflict needs to be addressed. How do we how do we go about that without it just like imploding everything? Or what does that look like for you guys practically? I'll say um, come to it ready to resolve. Like you want resolution um, and you want reconciliation, and I think that's the posture that both of you should want in that situation, right? And to make the most the best efficient use of that time is to come ready to reconcile. Um, so, you know, having dealt with whatever frustration or offense that you've taken on that side, um, try to deal with that on your own beforehand. If, again, if time is limited, um, and being able to come to that ready to reconcile. 
that's good. Anything else on that? Part of what I was thinking earlier, so thank you for saying those words. Uh, I'm going to say maybe the area of focus, right? If there's an area of focus in our life, a lot of times we want to get to it and improve upon it. So whether that's finances or being good at a sport or at our jobs, an area of focus is having this moment of reconciliation, maybe setting a time and a date to talk about this and, and work through it. Um, I know what's helped us in the past is actually sitting down with another couple and processing this. Um, we've done that many times throughout our lives. Um, and even uh, the last time uh, with Chaplain Henderson, uh, doing marriage counseling, like in some of the areas that, hey, we still struggle with, which we didn't think we should have struggled with after five, six years of marriage. Yeah. So um, having that third party kind of come to your side and assist through that and seeking that reconciliation is really powerful. That's great, yeah. And I'll add to, um, there may be busy seasons of life, and it may be that a bulk of that time is spent working through the conflict. And that's just the nature of that season. And like I said earlier, it's worth sacrificing that time to actually work through it so that you can actually have a stronger foundation for future things. Like, just make a space for it now, even if that is your time. Um, but those comments, like third parties and coming ready to resolve, are super helpful. What if our spouse is unwilling to address a problem or even acknowledge a problem? Daniel, you got something? <laughs> I guess I'll talk. So, um, again, I think just kind of following the steps of confrontation. We've got to confront our spouse. We've got to confront them in truth and love. And I think if they're in that posture of not even wanting to to, to ask for forgiveness. I think Joseph's life is a great kind of narrative and a model for us where he was just in that posture of leaning in to forgive his brothers. But when you read the narrative, it's not till Genesis 50. He meets his brothers in Genesis 43. It's not till Genesis 50 years later where his brothers finally come to him and ask for forgiveness. And he's been leaning forward in that posture that whole time. So again, leaning forward in that posture, praying and waiting on the Lord to work on the heart. We can't, we can't change the heart of our spouse. Only God can do that. I would say, too, we're not, we can pass down Stuart, but we're not the Holy Spirit, right? So it's not always our responsibility to, <clears throat> like, bring the hard truth, like, you're doing this, and it's wrong. You know, maybe there is a time for that, but we don't necessarily need to play that role. But um, just... A willingness, <clears throat> ground rules, like has been said already. Give each other permission early on in your marriage or, or starting now if you haven't, to come to one another with things like sin and challenges. It, that sets the tone. Like, automatically you can't get, <laughs> you can, but you shouldn't get offended by your spouse coming to you. If you've agreed, you've given each other permission. If you see something in my life, 
and I don't see it, I'm giving you permission to come to me and say something. That automatically levels the ground. So that kind of thing, it, it could be helpful. I, I was going to add, um, I think the assumption is the spouse is a believer, right? Which I know we have some relationships in our church, which that's not the case. Mm -hmm. But uh, also differentiating between is the issue a sin issue or is it a preference issue or, you know, a way that you don't feel loved or, you know, trying to differentiate between those different um, causes of, of what the issue is, I think is also important to differentiate to say, like, how severe is the problem? How critical is it that we resolve it as soon as possible? Um, giving a little bit of grace if it's something other than sin and saying, like, well, maybe... You know, I can make adjustments if the other person is not willing to budge or, you know, trying to work, toward, again, towards that resolution. So sometimes meeting halfway or even if they're not willing to go at all, then trying to figure out if that's something that you really feel is important enough to, to keep driving at. Um, and just evaluating that, doing that evaluation. I like that. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> How do you talk about sex, especially through the different seasons? How do you bring it up? What's appropriate to talk about? What are some things that maybe you've seen overlooked in other people's lives or in your lifetime? How do we talk about it through the different seasons of life? Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest thing is just coming from it in like an understanding manner. I think for us, the biggest thing I learned, especially in a season with little kids, is schedule the sex. Put it on a schedule, because then it happens, and then you're both, like, able to, like, prepare for it, and it's not like, oh, my husband's jumping me every time I'm washing the dishes. <laughs> but this is just, it's something we had, we spent years talking about it in, like, expectations versus reality. Like, we had three small children. We have very limited time. And so to talk about it in a way where we both understand each other's wants and needs is important going through it with kindness like it's a very vulnerable issue to talk mm -hmm. about and uh, so I think just coming at it from a perspective of understanding like your husband loves you from the wife's perspective like he wants to be intimate with you and that's a way that men can show that intimacy and that vulnerability with you it's not something that you should leave on the side table you really should like make it a common part of your conversation and schedule it that's my best advice <laughs> Other thoughts about how to talk about it? No, that, that's good. No, that's, that's I, I would love to hear other people's on this because I was actually the one that asked this question. Yes, so I'm, I'm going to... I love you, babe. Um, I'm going to pass it. Yeah, I was going to say schedule it. Um, and I, I would even like uh, add on to what Audrey said of just kind of that, that love and respect. Of, yeah. There's something in that, that book where he, and I agree with him, where he says the deepest need for a husband is to feel respected and the deepest need for a wife is to feel loved. Like it would devastate me if Rochelle said, I don't respect you even more so than it would, she, it would be if she came up and said, I don't love you. And it would be the other way around too. It would devastate her if I said, I don't love you. But it may not be as, as significant if I said, I don't respect you. Therefore, we want to be careful when, when we're talking about sex to 
uh, wives to not undermine that respect too when we talk about these these things and husbands that we don't communicate in a way that makes them not feel loved. So just kind of being sensitive to those particular needs in marriage. That's good. Go ahead. I think this has already been said, so just repeating, but um, I think by almost all three of these speakers, but yeah, just seasons. If there's any newlyweds or, right, you had a lot of sex at the beginning, and then you mentioned small kids, Brittany, it changes a lot, and I know for me, that's, that's where we're at. We have two small kids. I've struggled, and still, like, oh man, like, things have changed. Are we guys at it? Like, I don't want to be touched more. <laughs> like, I have little kids, like, all over and clean. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, I think just yeah, since it is such a hard thing to talk about, like, just, okay, it's okay, it's, or maybe this is just for me, but I've had to, this is a different season. Our marriage, our family has changed, and I'm, I'm sure we could point to other things, not just little kids, that, that's been mentioned, um, but that's part of growing, right? We want to have good sex lives all through our marriage, and so I think it's just embracing when those changes come. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the, a lot of what we talked about with um, just communication and how to love each other, I think that's how we approach sex as well. And being able to talk to each other in just a vulnerable state, maybe putting aside time, and I think that's one of the things that you can be like, this might be a conversation that needs a little more time and it might just not be how often it might be the how or when or um and having having fun with it too and being like hey let's have a fun conversation about it and i mean just even going into different things like hey i'd like to try this or something like that it's just it's a big conversation and it doesn't always have to be um a negative one if you have a little bit of time, maybe have a conversation of how do we make the most of that time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just to remember to make it fun and think of being a little more, a little less time, a little more creativity and just having fun conversations about it as well. It doesn't always have to be something that's tense or something that's, I feel like when people say schedule it, um, I think I felt beforehand before having little kids that that meant it was like that there wasn't as much fun in it because there was like no spontaneity and you know you hear all these things of how it's supposed to be but you can still get really fun and creative during those times and talk about not only the when but how how you would like it to go as well yeah and i think um in the next question hopefully some of these answers are going to help contribute to this um this situation but the question is my spouse is not interested in having sex as often as I am. It's an issue between us. How do we compromise? So maybe we've given you some ways to talk about it, but in terms of the compromise between different seasons of life, you know, as you change and grow, hormones, kids, libidos, all that thing, how do we compromise and come away where we can both be satisfied? Any thoughts on that? So 
So this one's a good one for me because we have recently talked about this um, very much in our marriage. Um, yes. Um, and I am one of those where I would like more than, um, than Brittany. Um, and I'm not trying to point a finger here. Uh, so our season of life is the littles. Um, the last thing challenge for you is like one more person touching you and um, yeah it's a it's been a challenge because it's like one of those physical needs um, you want that physical intimacy with your spouse um, and then you have the life struggles in the way so Exactly, we've had several hard conversations um, as far as what to expect and then to come to a conclusion uh, about it. So we decided that we were going to schedule weekly sex and um, set a date for it. So, and that's been kind of our, say, back and forth and compromise. And one of the things that I had, because this is a third go around now uh, with three kids. So each, each time during this uh, period, because after birth and then sometime, like the, the hormones and the libido is completely different. Um, and there is like me, first, first kid, it's like, why aren't you ready to go? Let's go. Um, second kid. Okay. I learned a little bit more, but still impatient. Uh, third kid. Okay. I'm a lot more understanding uh, as far as what happens after pregnancy. So understanding that there is a period of time where your body's changing and um, waiting patiently for that has been some of the things I've been learning, but probably one of the things, better things that we've worked out recently is scheduling sex on a weekly basis. As it passing it down, let me, let me just add two things real quick. Um, <clears throat> one is compromise by its very nature means neither one of you are necessarily getting exactly what you want. And that has to be understood. <laughs> Like, I'm giving, and I'm taking, and I'm taking, and I'm giving. There's compromises, meeting in the middle kind of thing. So that's one thing. And the other thing is, it's not always the husband wanting more and the wife kind of pulling back. Oftentimes, it's the other way around. So if you're sitting there going, well, in our marriage, it looks different. That's okay. Like, the how and how it actually plays out is not as important as what we're doing about it. But I just want to acknowledge, like, in a lot of marriages, things switch, especially as guys get older and the libido kind of goes down and women are, you know, maybe coming into a, a different season sexually. You're not weird. It's not wrong. If, and maybe in 10 years, it'll be different for, for you guys. You know, just be, be aware that it doesn't always have to look a certain way um, and compromise is significant in that way as well. I was just going to add to that, but like we came to this conclusion after a lot of years of being open, like Audrey was talking, like open, honest communication, taking the time to set aside to communicate like what our needs and wants were. Like it wasn't, 
an overnight compromise. This was a like years long discussion of just what our expectations are. And our seasons change in that time too. So just having that open vulnerability with your spouse, whichever way it is, because you're right, like I had a lot of clients who it was complete opposite. And so just having, being open, being honest, sharing your feelings, seeing if there's sin involved, because sometimes there is. And that puts a big damper on that part of your life too. So just being open, being honest, and don't be afraid of that conversation because you're a spouse, you're supposed to be one. There shouldn't be anything hidden under a rock. So, Dan, do you want to add something else? You get on that. Yeah, go for it. Um, Also, sex is part of intimacy. It's not all of it. So if that's the one time you're coming together, then it's going to be a lot harder. So if, if someone isn't, like, feeling up to it at the time, see what led up to it as well. Like, bring flowers home or make a favorite meal or um, send those sexy texts throughout the week that are going to keep it going so it's not just like, hey, friend, all right, <laughs> bye, friend. A business transaction. Exactly, and I think, I think sometimes when you have, when you're being depleted, a lot of times it can't, I mean, with your stay-at-home mom, from the kids, like, being on you and touching, like, I'm sending a text with a kid on my head and, like, trying to make dinner, and it's just really hard sometimes. So having that intimacy throughout the relationship and having those little moments, those special little moments, um, little touches, little smiles that are going throughout, that gets you, you're more ready then to be intimate than to not see or speak with someone the whole, you know, for a week, and then um, one is ready and the other one might not be because they're they're depleted. So a lot of times, sex is very difficult when you're coming from, uh, like when you're not being fulfilled in other ways. Mm-hmm. So just to make sure to like keep the romance alive and keep all those little things going on throughout your marriage. Um, so that there's more that you're sharing. That's great. No, right on. Uh, two more questions. We're going to change gears. Um, how do you encourage your spouse in their spiritual walk without seeming like you're nagging? Who wants to venture down that path? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, so without coming off as nagging, I I think it would be important to, when you're having that initial conversation, to come to an agreement about what you feel is lacking and why, and what what can be done to mitigate that in the future. So driving towards a commitment that you can, not to, you know, shove in their face later, but to hold accountable, right? You want to say, hey, we had this conversation, we talked about this, we agreed about these things, it doesn't look like you're doing that, can we talk about what's keeping you from keeping your commitment, right? Like making sure that it's something that they've bought into and agreed to, and it's not just you're telling them for your sake that you feel like they need to do. It's you want an agreement between the couple to be like, yes, we feel this is better for our relationship, and it's something that he or she will be driving towards, not just because you're telling them. Yeah, that's great. Any other thoughts? 
Encouraging your spouse in their spiritual walk without seeming like nagging. So, of course, I don't know exactly what is thought through with this question, but I think something so good is just talking about God regularly, like, and just asking questions. Make that a normal part, right? Christ should be the center of our lives. I mean, all this stuff we're talking about marriage, we've got so many good practical tips um, that we can all apply, but all of those are centered around Christ. And, and a lot of those are not possible, right? It's not possible to love your spouse like so selflessly like without Christ. So just having that should be, he should be who we're most excited about and who we're talking about. And so asking questions, what is God teaching you? Or what is, like, I don't know, a sin that you're... <laughs> you need prayer for right now, and don't make that a loaded question, manipulative question, but just what is going on in your heart? What is, um, yeah, what is the Lord teaching you? Hey, I could use prayer. Can Will you pray with me? Or I read this today, you know, sharing that too, right? We edify each other in the body of Christ and, and certainly, hopefully, in marriage too. And always, I mean, since nagging was brought up, I think, probably all of these questions, all these areas, like it's easy to say, oh yeah, pray about it, pray about it. But really, like that was, I think, some of the best advice I got before getting married is like, don't nag your spouse. Once you talk about something, pray about it, right? We have the Holy Spirit and hopefully our spouses do too. And so if you're, I don't know, spouse doesn't want to come to church or isn't reading or just seems apathetic to the Lord, there and Tracy just said that too. Like we're not the Holy Spirit, and we can't we can't change them. Um, but we do have the Holy Spirit, and we can pray. And um, I know well. I'm sure Daniel has seen God change me a lot because <laughs> I've needed the most change. And certainly seen that in other people. Like the Lord can, He really is all powerful, and He really can change your spouse and give your spouse a desire to know him, to, to read whatever um, they're struggling with and whatever you're struggling with, too. That's great. Okay, last question. Um, what do you do when your partner's having a tough season? They don't have 100%. They can't be all in. How do you, like, how do you personally work through that? How do you be there for them? What does that look like in those difficult seasons where they just don't have it to give? I have the microphone, so I'll start. <laughs> um, well, if I can think of what to say, I'll start. Yeah, that's really hard. Obviously, a tough season, and of course that affects you. Um, but I, I think just from experience, both of us being on that side at one time or another, is you still can. And... That is, I mean, if I can share the microphone, so I will. Um, <laughs> that is, that's a, a hard time, but such a good time for the Lord to work on you. And probably he's working on your spouse in their struggle. Um, but I know when we went through something like that recently, like 
where he worked on me, where I realized how much idolatry I had, right? We, oh, no, we don't worship idols. But our hearts, we love to worship idols. Anything we love, which can certainly be our spouses, more than Jesus is, is idolatry, is what the Bible calls. Um, so I realized, wow, how much, no, you have to be there. If I'm struggling, you need to listen to me and hug me and, and just functionally be Jesus to me. <laughs> you need to meet my needs. And then when a spouse is not there, um, I mean, that's what the Lord used really to, oh no, like you can't be there for me, for everything I need. But Jesus always is there. And he's close, right? My closest, our closest, hopefully, if we're in him, in Christ, our closest relationship that we have. And so embrace however the Lord wants to sanctify you. And again, Lord willing, trust that he's working on your spouse, even through whatever struggle. Um, and, and pour out your need to Jesus. I feel in love to my spouse. Is, it's like talking to a wall or whatever. Or, I mean, we mentioned sex, of course, like that. That can disappear, right, in a hard season. Um, <laughs> or almost whatever. Um, but Jesus, that you, you do hear me. You are emotionally available for me. You are with me when my spouse is deployed or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. That Jesus does fulfill all these deepest needs that our spouse maybe can't for a while. And just and he is the one that allows you, right? It's hard to love if you feel like, oh, there's nothing coming back and I'm just giving and giving or whatever or trying and, and it's not really coming back. And the only way, again, that we can do that is if we are rooted and abiding in Christ. And right, he says, um, come to me if you're thirsty and I'll fill you with living water. And then out of your heart will flow springs of water, right? Life. And that life, that love, that only comes from abiding in Christ. And, um, and we can do that, not in our flesh, not in our own strength, but through Christ. That's good. Any other thoughts? Stuart? Um, I'll say I, I never considered myself a selfish person. But there were two points in my life where I realized kind of the depths of my self-centeredness. One was when I got married. And the other was, I think, doubly so once you have children. Um, and just realizing how much it's, it's not about you. Um, but also the commitment that we make when we enter our marriage. A lot of vows contain the, you know, in sickness and health. And that means when they can do things and when they can't do things. And, um, you know, God forbid your spouse is in a coma, right? They're completely out of commission, and you are doing everything at that point. But similarly, maybe they're in a depression, right, where it can be difficult to see why they can't do things, and maybe you hold some resentment in that. And so I would encourage you to not assume what their capabilities are, um, but to trust what they're telling you and what they're communicating to you to say, like, if I can't handle this and I need you to do something um, to take its place, like, to be sensitive to that and just to be understanding and willing to sacrifice and take on where needed uh, to facilitate the relationship, right? And especially if you have children, um, being able to take care of them, right, when your spouse needs a moment 
or a couple days or maybe a week to like have some time off and not have to deal with those things. That's good. Um, for us, I think it's funny. We always joke that we actually grow the most in the Lord when we're apart and when Luke can literally not do anything for us <laughs> because he's focused elsewhere. But I think those are the most precious times to me because those were the times that I grew the most. And then the one time also where Luke could not help me is to be fully disclosure here. We went through an ectopic pregnancy, which is why we were in marriage counseling on top of multiple deployments back to back. And that was a time where we just weren't, we were missing each other. Like we could not communicate. He communicated to me like I was a Marine. I didn't join the Marine Corps for a reason. I don't like being talked down. <laughs> and so for us, like, but that season, as difficult as it was, like, out of that came the most beautiful time in our marriage. We had our rainbow baby, who was called Spice Pants, and we love her. But out of that really dark season where he could not help me physically, I was close to sepsis, like, it was bad. He literally could do nothing. We had to rely on the doctors to help me. And I could do absolutely nothing for him spiritually and emotionally because I was dealing with it physically. I couldn't even, I had no capability to help him in any way, shape, or form with whatever he was dealing with. And during that time was actually the hardest part of our marriage, but then through the counseling, we realized like, wow, we both grew so much. So if you're in that difficult time, understand that getting through that difficult time will bring you to some of the best, most sweetest times of your marriage. You just have to fight through what you're going through right then. And if you're in that moment, be praying for yourself as well as your spouse. Like, I'm just echoing what was already said here. But, like, in those times, like, God will work through you in ways. Like, God worked through my stubbornness and so much in that time that never, probably never would have happened had we not had that really, really dark season in our marriage. So, and it led me to more of an understanding of Luke and how Luke operates and how, you know, stuff that's already been said, how to conflict management, like, how to talk to each other. That's so important in those times. And now we're on the other side of that. And it's a beautiful season of our marriage. But I don't know. You don't you don't see the mountaintop without the valley lows because there's no perspective. That's right. Now let's um let's just wrap up in some prayer. I, I know we're over time and the kids need to get picked up, but just go ahead and stay there. Thank you for your input and thank you for the questions. Thank you guys for being here and investing in your marriage. I think like I said, the Lord is going to use this as he, see fit, as he sees fit. So let me close us in prayer, and then we will dismiss. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for just the work that you're doing in us individually and, Lord, in our relationships with, with our significant others, with our spouses, with our husbands, with our wives, Lord. I pray that you'd use each of these things that we've heard, Lord, to, to really help us look inwardly. And God, allow the Spirit of God to move in us to, to shape us, to, to deepen our love for you, and in, 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 out of that, Lord, grow in our love for one another. Um, God, help us to be respectful of one another, to love each other well, to, to communicate often, to express expectations, Lord God, to, to have the difficult conversations, to lean in to you as the guide through those difficult seasons, Lord. And help us, no matter what, to run to the feet of you, Christ, for all of the help that we need to be the kind of spouse that we need to be. God, bless this 
time as we go from here. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Love you. Thank you.